When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into the hard count. It is February 22nd, 2024. Last one on the face of the planet. We have the pleasure of being joined by USC's head coach Lincoln Riley today talking some ball. And we're glad to have y'all here. It was not my intention when the week started to talk college football playoff expansion three days in a row. But here we are. It is in fact February. It is in fact the time of the college football year where these things tend to happen. But We'll give you our thoughts on it. Of course, we talked to Pete Nekos this morning to get his opinion on it, so we'll break down what he said and what we think about it and where this thing is headed. Glad to have you here. we got a lot to jump into, as we always do on this show. we got Lincoln Riley joining the show in just a matter of minutes. Who are the most impactful names when it comes to the SEC? Like, who are going to be the individuals, coaches, and players alike that are going to determine how that conference title race shakes up, how the future of that conference looks? We'll talk about it here in a matter of minutes. i got... Uh, give or take five or six names we're going to go through there that I think we need to probably uh, get aligned on. Also, we got news in the college football video game, CFB 25. I always want to say NCAA 25, but that's not the case. College football 25, we got some news on that break in this morning. Give you our thoughts there. It sounds like we may, in fact, be having some real names, and sounds like those real names, those players that opt into this game, will get 600 bucks and a free copy of the game. Sign me up if I'm them. Also, Johnny Manziel went on Club Shay Shay which is Shannon Sharp's podcast, which, quite frankly, I'm a big fan of. I think he does a great job on that. And uh, he talked about a specific instance that he had lined up when it came to his time at A&M and maybe his opportunity to, to stay at A&M based on what his dad talked about with Coach Kevin Sumlin. So he said some things there that I thought were worth unpacking together in the landscape with NIL. And uh, I don't know, I, just, I thought that was an interesting conversation. I think we probably should all get aligned on together. Bottom line, hey, we're glad to have y'all here. It is a special time of the year where there's a lot less college football content out there. And so for us to be able to talk about this year-round, we're grateful to do that. I mean, for y'all that are finding this right now, it means you're a college football junkie. So if you found the show, welcome. It's college football. It's only college football. It's college football the way that you want to talk about it. So we appreciate y'all being locked in with us. Hey, let's get right to it. Can't waste too much more time. Who knows? We might get more information on the college football playoff, expanding or not expanding. So... Pete Nakos kind of alluded to this yesterday. There was a meeting that happened. There was a report that came out after that meeting that the college football playoff is being talked about expanding to 14 teams. Because remember what we said, the new, the new format got decided upon. It's five plus seven. That's great. Cool. Let's lock in 12 teams. We've waited forever to have an expanded playoff, it sounds like, for some of y'all. And uh, yeah, so we go to 12 teams. Great. But there's that children's book where if you give a mouse a cookie, it's going to want some milk. And y'all that, that read that book, you know what happens there. But if you don't, that's kind of the premise of if you give a little bit to someone, they're going to want the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. So the powers that be in this college football playoff committee and, and so on and so forth, like now they're saying, okay, well, what about 14 teams? That would make us more money. That would kind of help everybody, right? And it's sort of happening that way. But I think what's really happening here is the, the, like the need for a commissioner, the need for regulation in college football, has never been greater, not just because of NIL, not just because of the transfer portal, but in this specific situation, the folks that are at the table making these decisions 
all have specific interests and specific allegiances to their respective conferences. So yes, like yes, I'm JD Pacquiao with On3, but I, I don't have any allegiance to YouTube. I don't have any allegiance to the sports media world. Like for us to have a conversation about the future of YouTube and to act like I don't have an interest in On3's you know, place in that is just foolish. And that's what's happening here. The SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, they're all at the table here together. And the folks that are at that table, they represent their conference. So yes, I'm going to talk about the future of college football, of course, through the lens of how can I help my conference the most. And so the also, you know, important thing to know here is the folks holding most of the cards here, they got the SEC and the Big Ten logo somewhere on their tie or on their jacket or whatever. So the issue here is, and Pete Nako said this this morning, if we're going to go to 14 teams, let's not pretend like that's going to open the floodgates for equal opportunity for more teams to get in the college football playoff from the G5 level or whatever. Like, no, if we go to 14 teams, it sounds like there will be some automatic qualifiers to the college football playoff tied to respective conferences. So the SEC and the Big Ten are saying, okay, you want to go to 14? We'll talk about it. But understand, we go to 14, we're going to 14 on our terms. We're going to 14 with four automatic qualifiers from the SEC or the Big Ten or what have you, whichever conference it ends up being and however that works out. So if you're the ACC or if you're the Big 12, you're kind of along for the ride here to a degree because you're like, they hold the cards. We want to keep our playoff spot. It makes everybody more money to a degree. Like, all right, let's, let's keep this thing rolling. That's how I've interpreted it. And I want to go back to what I just said a second ago about equal opportunity. There's this thought now that as we go to more teams, there's going to be more opportunity for everybody in the college football landscape to make the college football playoff. Y'all, there's the equal opportunity was always, in my opinion, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's always kind of fake, which sounds like a funny word to use. But what I mean by fake, I mean that whole narrative around you will eventually get equal opportunity as you expand the playoff. Like equal opportunity existed within the four-team playoff. And some folks might disagree with that based on what happened this last season. And I understand where you're coming from, but like the thought that if you take care of business and you do it in the right fashion, which is Florida State was, I think, a tremendous anomaly, you're going to be able to have your chance to make the college football playoff. And to put a finer point on this, if it wasn't the most equal opportunity with four teams, it's 100% there with 12 teams now. And the thing that I don't appreciate is the equal opportunity being spread across the board and then placed an emphasis on the postseason. Like, same thing we've said throughout the course of this week. Like, I'm here for games being played in August and November, that, that stretch. I'm, I'm here for those games meaning the most. And this thought that you're going to have more meaningful playoff games in the postseason, I hear where you're coming from. I think that that thought process makes sense. But when you take a step backwards, I'm cool with the second round of the playoff meaning a lot. But also think about this. Right now, in that four-team model, how much did week six of the college football regular season mean? That's a meaningful game. So I understand money runs this whole thing, and it's going to be kind of bizarre to see it unfold here 100%, though. Make sure we understand this. The SEC and the Big Ten, they hold the cards. We go to 14 teams. We go to 16 teams. Like this report is indicating, it will not be a situation where we spread the wealth to the G5 or to the ACC. Like, it's going to the big boys, all right? So more spots, more money, but as we say, with more money, more problems. Last point here, Pete Nakos made a really interesting point when we jumped on the phone this morning. The length of the college football season, if we go to 16 teams, is going to be a lot like a professional season. And think about it now. Like, if you're a professional athlete, you're getting paid, I would imagine, a little bit more these days because of, one, just your performance is, is a big part of it. But, I mean, the fact that you're doing more work because of playing more games, that's going to trickle down to the collegiate ranks as well. 
if we get to a season where these guys are playing like 16 plus games and I'm a player, I'm like, okay, I'm putting my body at risk more times, more frequently. I want to be compensated accordingly for the work that I'm doing. So that's also a thing that we're going to run into here when it comes to NIL and the player compensation model that we're addressing. It's, it's a wild world that we're living in right now. The tectonic plates, they continue to shift from the conference powers to the college football playoff expansion to the transfer portal and the calendar. Like, there's a lot of changes happening. I promise you, this is not the last time we will talk about major changes in college football this offseason. Whether it's the ACC, whether it's more concrete news on the college football playoff model as a whole, because there's there's some uh, reports out there they want to get this future model for 2026 done sooner rather than later so they can kind of get a good gauge for where you know, the TV agreements stand and things like that. Keep an eye on this. Head on the swivel. That's what we call February right now. Yes, it's college football junkie season, uh, but I think more importantly, it's or as importantly, not more important, but as important, it is head on the swivel season right now in the college football landscape. So appreciate y'all being locked in. Make sure you're locked in here so we can have our head on the swivel together. So we were very fortunate to be joined by the head coach of the USC Trojans, Lincoln Riley. Going to get to that conversation in just a matter of moments. Before we do that, though, kind of let y'all know this episode, this show, The Hard Count, is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Now, if you're a fan of the USC Trojans, man, you got some, some exciting games now. You're going to go play a game in Ann Arbor, Michigan. You got a game in Las Vegas to open the year against LSU. You got Penn State coming to the Coliseum. Don't you want to see those in person? Don't you want to make sure you get to witness those historic events not at the comfort of your couch. If you do, great, but I think it's a little bit more a little bit more meaningful to see it in person, especially for their first year in the Big Ten. The best way to do that, buy your tickets using Game Time. Okay, Game Time, you know before you buy, you get to see your view from the seat, from the app. It's a great way to do things. Also, if you find a, a ticket in the same row or section for less, Game Time, they credit you 110% of the difference. That's a Game Time guarantee. So download the Game Time app and redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use code HARDCOUNT, H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, for $20 off your first purchase. Game time. Best tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. So without further ado, here's our conversation with the head ball coach of the USC Trojans, Lincoln Riley. And we now have the pleasure of being joined by the head ball coach for the USC Trojans, Lincoln Riley. Coach, I want to start right here. You were a quarterback in your day. Before you started coaching quarterbacks, you were a quarterback at Texas Tech. I got to ask, with your current quarterback room, not factory in Caleb Williams, where do you rank in a crossbar challenge from the 20? <laughs> I like to think that I'd be up there pretty good, but my guys would probably disagree. So there's always some good competitive banner that, uh, that continues to go on. Yeah, I mean, it's a stacked room, to be fair. So I don't think there's, there's any shame in falling somewhere outside of that top two but when it comes to your time at USC what would you say is the biggest adaptation you've had to make since taking that job oh man honestly it's hard to hard to narrow it down to to one um uh, you know obviously doing it in a at a at a place like this in terms of you know being in an urban environment um being being in you know, one of the most powerful cities in the world, really kind of right at the heart of it uh, in a lot of ways has been really unique, really special. I think we're still learning more and more as time goes on about like how powerful that really is and like the, just all that really entails. But it's uh, that part has been really fun. I, I tell you, being able to do it at um, and, I've, and I've certainly been at some other really good schools, but being able to do it at a place that's got an academic reputation uh, and a quality of, of education like this place is is really 
really unique, really special, and I think something that really differentiates us and certainly has an effect on our you know, our day-to-day operation here, who we recruit, our valuations, I mean, all parts of it. Um, you know, I'll, now we'll have been in two different leagues, um, uh, getting ready to go into a brand-new facility. So, honestly, a l- little bit of everything has changed here, but it's been a lot of fun the first two years as we've started to build this. I mean, as a college football fan, I'm – personally very fired up to watch what this new Big Ten is going to be between y'all, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, all playing teams like Ohio State and Michigan. What fires you What fires you up the most about making that move to the Big Ten? Is that, that changed it all the way that y'all have attacked this offseason? You know, I think the thing that excites you the most is what you said. It's the matchups, right? It's the, it's the new rivalries that are going to come out of this. It's the you know, you get forever and ever. The, the Rose Bowl has always been such a historic game uh, within college football. And you think of the great, you know, traditional Pac, uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten matchups and all the great games that were spurred out of that. Well, now you're going to have those matchups every single every single year. You're going to have, uh, have them multiple times throughout the year. You're going to have them at different people's uh, locations. You're going to, you know, you're going to have exciting teams that you're bringing into your home spot. You're going to go into new, really cool road environments. Um, so I think just the competition week in and week out, uh, a chance to be, you know, a part of certainly, you know, one of the top two uh, uh, college football conferences right now. I mean, I, I, I'm most excited about that, the challenge of the new, the new coaches, the new schemes that you'll go against. I mean, all of it, man. I, I think the competitor in you just loves the opportunity that's coming up. And I see the social media hashtag that y'all got going on, the USC football Twitter page, if we can still call it Twitter, like hashtag competition Fridays. Is there a little bit of extra edge for y'all during this winter conditioning uh, season? There is. There is, without a doubt. I mean, I think for us, uh, taking the steps that we want to take going into this new league, uh, taking the steps that we want to take with our roster now starting to build in a little bit more of a traditional way, um, I think obviously with so many of the new coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball and really wanting to elevate our game on that side of the ball. I mean, absolutely there is. Um, we, we got a great opportunity in front of us and, but there, there's certainly an, uh, an edge about this program. And I think honestly, I think it started even before this off season. I think it really started going into our bowl game and you saw the way that you know, our team performed in that. And that was, that team was pretty representative of, the team that we have kind of right now, obviously with some new faces, but uh, um, there, there's been an, a, an edge and an aggressiveness in this program since the day that the regular season ended. And uh, we're just hoping to continue to build on that leading into spring ball. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned the bowl game. I was doing my best to get Heis Miller trending on Twitter when he was just throwing darts all over the place when Miller Moss had himself a day. Then you also went to the portal and brought in Jaden Maiava from UNLV. What's the state of your quarterback room right now heading to spring ball? Yeah, we're going to let the guys in the room compete. Uh, you, that's a hallmark of, I think, all the great quarterback rooms that we've had, the other great position rooms we've had. I think it's been a hallmark of this program for, forever and ever. And so uh, I think to, to be a starter at a place like USC, you've got to go compete. You've got to go earn it. Um, and that's that's a, we want that to be part of every single position room. So, no, you know, why not do it at the one that, you know, is kind of at the center of all of this. And so, yeah, absolutely. Those guys are going to compete. We feel like we've got great options in the room. Uh, we've got, we wanted to add a young guy uh, that, that had some experience that was able to come in and, and be a factor in the job right now. And Jaden certainly fit the bill there. And yeah, we couldn't have been more proud of the way that Miller really led the team, the program in a lot of ways into that bowl game and the way he played. So really excited about the room. 
I mean, your quarterback resume is untouchable. I mean, Baker, Kyler, obviously Caleb Williams, Jalen Hurts, what he's doing in the NFL. What does it take to speak quarterback so fluently like you do? What's kind of the secret sauce in your opinion? Man, you know, I, I think it's working with the right guys, like at the end of the day, right? It's it's getting the right guys in the room. I think it's, uh, you know, being able to adapt your your systems or, or your beliefs to what these guys can do because all the guys that you mentioned had different skill sets, they had different strengths, different weaknesses. They had concepts that they liked, they had concepts they didn't like. And we've tried to be able to take ego out of it and just do – what those guys do well and do what we feel like the skill sets around us will allow us to, to, to execute at a high level. And we've tried to stick with that, but great assistance through the years, some great quarterbacks to work with and, and great surrounding cast, man. It's uh, it's made my job a lot easier. Because you mentioned those defensive hires that you made from Eric Henderson, from the Rams to Dayton Lynn from UCLA, who's over across the street. And now with y'all, what, what was kind of the process for you when it came to assembling this defensive staff? Well, you know, first, things like that are never easy. Uh, but the flip side of it is it does give you an opportunity to take a step back and really say, all right, where, where do we want this to go? And, and for us, the number one word when, I, when we were able to take a step back, and even before we started looking at specific people, it was, all right, from systematically, where do we want to go? Philosophically, where do we want to go? And the big word that kept sticking out to me was development. Um, I, I just think it's in this day and age with all that's changed, I really feel like that can be uh, one of our many advantages here. And so we really try to go after guys that we thought were very just completely elite at developing uh, defenses, defensive players, individual position groups, and all of the guys you see that we hired. Uh, you, you mentioned Coach Lynn and Coach Henderson, obviously, you know, Matt Entz, uh, Doug Belk, all, all of those guys had a phenomenal track record and being able to develop and really just the pieces kind of started to come together. And, and as you can see, we shot for the stars. I mean, we did not, we did not take anybody off the table, whether conventional wisdom would tell you that you would have a shot maybe to hire this person or not hire. Like we didn't worry about that. And we said, look, this is USC. Everybody's going to have some type of interest in this place. Now, do you get everybody? Do you not? We're not going to worry about that, but we're just going to go after who we feel like is the best. And and we're really, really proud of, uh, you know, how the staff has come together and, now it's time to go put results on the field. Yeah, and y'all have absolutely been aggressive, not just in a, you know, hiring the staff, but also through the portal the last couple of years, you know, going after double-digit guys so far in this portal cycle. What's your philosophy when it comes to balancing, you know, acquiring the right guys through the portal, but then also recruiting the high school level effectively, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, our, our climb here has been, has been different. You know, you had to chart a path from day one when we got here. And I, one of our goals early was we need to become competitive early. And we felt like the best way to do that and gain some momentum was we need to flip the roster pretty quick. We need to be pretty aggressive in the portal. In the first two years, certainly, we were very, very aggressive in the portal. Uh, I feel like we're in a little bit of a transition right now, um, starting to phase ourselves a little bit away from the portal and, and rely more upon these high school classes. You just – you didn't have those when we first got here. And you can't go back in time – and put those young guys in your program. And so while people have been seeing a lot of portal players and all of that on the surface the last two years, we've recruited two classes that we're really proud of that that kind of behind the scenes have been working and developing and getting better. You got to see a lot of those guys in the bowl game. 
so you're really starting to have kind of the like a true foundational uh, classes that are starting to really grow within the program. And, and, and that's what we want to be certainly more of. I don't know that you'll ever be, you know, 100 percent one way or another, but we certainly want to want to be a developmental program. We want to be a program that the majority of our guys start their career and in their careers, USC Trojans. Yeah, Coach, you talked a lot about, you know, the, the foundation you're laying there at USC. And I just I have to believe in, in the day of NIL and also being in Los Angeles, one of the major cities, not just in the U.S., but in the world, there's a lot of things that I'm sure are grabbing at guys on your team's attention, on your staff attention. Is, is there more difficulty or more effort required to, like, really solidify a culture in Los Angeles at USC? You know, honestly, not really. Um, I, I, I think – there's there is a lot outside of here there's a lot of like great opportunities that are big advantages i think it puts a premium on you as the coach and 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 your staff as far as like evaluators bringing the right type of kids here that are going to use the advantages and not get caught up in anything that that would take them away from their education or their dreams of playing ball um but yeah i think the type of guys that we attract are typically typically guys that want to be great in both that don't want to settle academically and don't want to settle on the field. And when you get high achievers like that, honestly, those guys are typically pretty fixated on their dreams and they're between that and being busy enough. Uh, typically those aren't guys that are going to put themselves, you know, in bad situations or put themselves in a position where they're going to get distracted. So in some ways it's kind of contrary to maybe what other people would think, but it's actually, I think been maybe a little bit easier here. You actually, some of those things are advantages, but I do think it's a big, part that we've got to evaluate and bring in the right guys like you you cannot overstate how important that is coach last question for you we just watched pat mahomes win another super bowl and your quarterback from last year caleb williams is getting a lot of comps to him you worked with caleb williams obviously as close as anybody are, are those comp you know comparisons to pat mahomes are those fair for caleb at this point well there's Listen, there's some physical comparisons like no question you know both great athletes uh you know, both, you know, have really, you know, lead arms, guys that can throw from all types of different platforms, can really do anything uh, from a throwing perspective that you could imagine. Uh, you know, Pat has had one a lot more experience than Caleb up to this point. I mean, Pat played a lot of ball in college. Uh, Pat didn't miss a senior year in high school. Um, and, and obviously he had a great, you know, he went into a great situation there in Kansas City, and then he has just done a phenomenal job. So, uh, Caleb certainly says has some of the same physical tools, which is exciting because there's not many people that have that. Um, but but certainly to continue to climb to to a guy like his level, there, there's going to be a big process there. So, um, but uh, I certainly wouldn't put it past him. Um, excited. Hopefully, he can end up in a great situation and take advantage of it um, anywhere to the level that uh, that Pat has done. Well, Coach, we really appreciate all your time. We know you got a lot going on, but uh, we're excited to watch all good after in the spring here, and again, obviously in the fall. You got it. You got it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. A couple of takeaways from that interview. First, Lincoln Riley is serious about defense. Now, I understand you can say that and you can do the right things during the offseason to become serious about defense. It's all pretty much a talking point until it happens on the field. So I understand that. But I mean, from what you can control at this point during February of the college football calendar year, he has gone and hired guys from an elite defense that UCLA was last year or a great product defensively that UCLA was last year. Then he goes to the NFL and grabs Eric Henderson. He is changing his philosophy defensively. So he's, I think, becoming more serious about it. And two, when it comes to the defensive side of the football, like he understands there's some real issues there. He understands there has to be 
some growth made there. And so that was encouraging to me, I think, just to hear him talk about it and to hear him address those hires and how they approach those hires. That USC brand now still, uh, still holds some weight to it. Do not get it twisted. Also, I just felt like there was a lot of excitement hearing him talk about the Big Ten. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, they're probably going to have uh, some growing pains when they get into that conference. But like from talking to Lincoln Riley, I, I don't think there's, there's any panic. I think it's all, let's embrace the challenge. We're here to compete. We're USC. Like, let's get after it. And I love that. I think great competitors, challenges excite them. Challenges are something they run towards. They don't shrink back. They don't worry about how they're perceived. Like, put the blinders on. They go to work every single day, and they do the right things. And so far, by how they are attacking this offseason through the portal and through how they've built their defensive staff, they're doing the right things. Last thought here on this, the quarterback battle. Miller Moss, I said it during the interview. I was trying to get Heisman Miller trending. I thought, okay, Miller Moss is your guy. Will Howard was in the mix when it came to the conversation around USC's next quarterback. You know, there's a lot of thought around the transfer portal. They brought in Jaden Maiava from UNLV, who is a dude. They're going to let him battle. I mean, Lincoln Riley just said it. You don't have to hear me say it. Lincoln Riley is going to let his dudes get after it this spring. So there's not a ton of high-profile quarterback battles across the country like we've seen in recent years. Like last year, you had Ohio State. I mean, we talked about where, uh, where Clemson stood with Cade Klubnick when he got there and DJU was still there, like, USC, I wholeheartedly believe, will be a quarterback battle. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. But as always, man, we relish the opportunity to get to talk to leaders in the college football space, much less a head coach of a power conference and a brand that is USC. So we are enormously grateful for Lincoln Riley taking some time to talk some ball with us, man, during this part of the year. Always a good time. Again, we got some more interviews lined up now. I will announce them as soon as we have them recorded because I don't want to jump the gun. We got three interviews set to be recorded one today so just make sure you follow me on instagram i'll announce it there first then also i'll announce it on twitter but really important now to be following there to be the first to know about who we have lined up for the show so let's talk about the sec talked about the big 10 talked about the college football playoff when you look to the sec in 2024 man who are some of the names that you need to know not just names that you need to know but names that are going to be the most impactful when it comes to how that conference race shakes out in 2024 well, first things first, make sure you subscribe to the On3 YouTube channel because we talk ball all year round. If you're watching this during the live show, we appreciate y'all being dialed in. Just heck, make, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Like double check that you hit the subscribe button. But if you're watching this as a one-off video, we want you to subscribe so you can come watch the live show with us or come be a part of the live show with us. We get in the live chat. We have a good time. So 11 a.m. Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We appreciate y'all for that. As I was saying, the most impactful names, the most important names in the SEC are as follows. You got to start with the Georgia Bulldogs, right? I mean, they're going to be preseason number one. Kirby Smart has had the best team in college football the last three seasons. I understand they didn't win the national title last year. I still would have bet on a healthy Georgia to win the whole gosh darn thing last year. Carson Beck is the most important name on that roster, obviously because he is the quarterback at Georgia. But here's a thought that I don't know we've addressed enough. What if Carson Beck just levels up from what he did in year one at Georgia? That's a scary thought. Because, yes, it was his first year. He had great stats. Him and Mike Bobo did great things. But, like, what if he kicks it up a notch, Emerald style? Nobody's really considering that. Because last year he threw for almost 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 6 picks, 72% completion percentage. He was dialed in. His first time playing college football. First time being a starting quarterback in college football. That means something. Because if that's the base we're working with here, and we elevate our game, there's a, there's a tremendous takeover factor, I think, with Carson Beck. Like, there was a lot of people during the season last year saying, yeah, he looks good, he's efficient. We wanted to kind of unhitch the wagon a little bit. 
the same conversation they were having about Jaden Daniels last year. We wanted to push the ball deep, wanted to be a little bit more aggressive vertically. Well, year one, I think it's very fair to have some, uh, you know, some caution. We want to protect the football. But in year two, if he cuts it loose and he levels up and has even a better season from last year, how unstoppable is Georgia? And also, how much are those weapons that are new to the Georgia football team from the transfer portal, from a Trevor Etienne to a Colby Young to a Lennon Humphreys, some new faces into the fold to try and replace the production of a Lab McConkie and a Brock Bowers that are gone to the league? How much are they benefiting from it? What kind of years are they having? Carson Beck, I think, more than likely holds the SEC conference title race in the palm of his hand. I think he will probably determine how far Georgia goes this upcoming season. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. Let's go to the coaching side of things, though, for our next name. One of the most important names in the SEC in 2024, one of the most impactful figures, LSU's defensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, coming over from Missouri. If that bowl game for LSU was a preview of what the offense is going to look like, it's probably going to be really freaking good yet again. I know you lost Mike Denbrock. I know you lost the Heisman Trophy winner in Jaden Daniels. I understand that. But Garrett Nussmeyer, man, he likes to push it deep. Likes to sling the ball around the yard through for almost 400 yards in that bowl game. And that's not the first time you've seen Garrett Nussmeyer flash a little bit. I feel confident in the offense. I think they're going to kind of keep a good thing going. They'll be able to be in a lot of games because of what the offense brings to the table is my estimation. However, last year, if LSU has anything that resembles a solid defense, they're probably competing for the SEC title. They might even be in that college football playoff picture. They were a defense away from winning a national title. I don't think that's wild to say. Now, bringing in Blake Baker into the fold is massive because his defense at Missouri last year, super aggressive. Like Missouri was just good television whenever you turned on their defense. 9% sack rate. Okay, that means of all the snaps that Missouri defense took last year, 9% of those ended in a sack. That's top 10 in the country. So they're going to be aggressive. They're going to get after you. I think the LSU defense will mirror a lot more the attitude that that fan base wants to see them play with. Most notably, Harold Perkins. A lot of folks last year were saying, where's number four at? Why are we dropping him back in coverage? let let, let the Tasmanian devil loose. Let him go hunt the quarterback, man. The kid's a specimen. I think Blake Baker will cut him loose a little bit more, in my opinion. I think they're going to utilize his strengths a little bit more. The bottom line is if Blake Baker revives this LSU defense back to what we've known it to be, the Louisianimals of sorts on that side of the ball, I think they're going to be a national title contender, and they will be, of course, an SEC title contender. So Blake Baker, massive, massive impact name to know when it comes to the conference title race this upcoming year. Now, a new team to the SEC, but not a new name to the SEC, is Texas and their wide receiver, Isaiah Bond, transferring over from Alabama. He will have a massive impact on the SEC this year because the, the Texas offense last season was so freaking good because you could run the football how they did, almost 200 yards a game, but then when those safeties tried to trigger too quickly or those linebackers got a little bit aggressive, kind of got their eyes in the backfield a little bit, then Quinn Ewers could put the ball in the belly, pull it out, and then hit Xavier Worthy deep down the sideline. Could hit Adonai Mitchell for a big-time touchdown like he did during the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa that ended up being the dagger. The thing with Isaiah Bond is there's a lot of production to replace from Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell no longer being on that roster. To be specific, over 1,800 yards of receiving is left there. Now, Isaiah Bond, he's a deep threat. We saw him do that at Alabama. I don't know that we really saw the most of his ability in Tuscaloosa because I think Jalen Milrow and his skill set is different than what a Quinn Ewers would offer. If Isaiah Bond can keep that Texas offense versatile like they were last year, and they're going to ask him to now. They're going to ask him to do a lot when it comes to putting pressure on, on secondaries and keeping that, that box honest for them consistently. 
That's going to be massive. That's going to be extremely massive because last year they scored 35 points a game. A lot of that was based on the passing game. Quinn Ewers coming back, you have to maximize him. You have to maximize him. The only way you do that is being able to have a deep threat and being able to have that production replaced from a season ago. Isaiah Bond, again, transferring over from Alabama, will play a massive, massive part in that. Speaking of Alabama, I tried my best here to go with some names that were a little bit off the grid, like names that maybe we weren't always thinking about when we talk about the SEC, but it's, it's unavoidable. Like, Kalen DeBoer is absolutely one of the most impactful, important people in the SEC this upcoming year. The question I have, outside of him being a recruiter, which we'll talk about here in a second, is we've seen you do more with less. And Andy Staples and I talked about this during the coaching carousel. Can you do more with more? Because I understand there's this thought that, hey, he was, he was great at Washington. He's great throughout the course of his career. He's won everywhere he's been. He's won with the second-best roster in a lot of these games. That's great. At Alabama, you don't have to win with the second-best roster. You can win with the best roster. And it may not be that case every single Saturday for Alabama because the portal did what the portal does. But, like, Nick Saban, we keep saying this. He left the cupboard stocked. He left nothing but top two classes in Tuscaloosa. So when you talk about Alabama in 2024 and Kalen DeBoer, the question I have is Kalen DeBoer's impact on the offensive side of the ball. Because Ryan Grubb, gone to the league, we understand that, but it's still Kalen DeBoer's offense. It was always Kalen DeBoer's offense, whether Ryan Grubb stayed as the OC or not. My question is, can you equip Jalen Milrow and and help Jalen Milrow take that next step as a passer? Kalen DeBoer ran a really successful offense at Washington. He did it with Michael Penix Jr., And there's no secret that he was a big factor in Michael Penix Jr.'s success, but Michael Penix Jr. and Jalen Milrow, very different kind of players. So can you help Jalen Milrow take that next step as a passer, but then at the same time, can you do what Tommy Reese did a season ago as the OC and still play to his strengths and play to his skill set? And everything Kalen DeBoer talks about leans towards personnel over scheme, and so I love that so far, but I'm curious to watch how that factors in because Alabama – Again, they have the roster to be competitive right away with Kalen DeBoer. That's, that's not saying a whole lot. In the big picture, though, the impact on the SEC that Kalen DeBoer is going to have is what he does this year will, in short term, answer the question that a lot of people have and a lot of recruits have, what is Alabama? We know what they've been for the last 15-plus years with Nick Saban running the show. It's greatness. It's development. It's hardware. It's championship rings. What are they with Kalen DeBoer? You don't have to be championship rings your first year in Tuscaloosa. It certainly wouldn't hurt things. But can you stabilize the optics? It's a phrase I keep using when it comes to Kalen DeBoer. Can you stabilize the optics to ensure for recruits, hey, Bama's still Bama. You can still come and play here in Tuscaloosa, still put that script day on your jersey and feel good about your future, feel good about what we're going to be as a product on the field pretty much every single fall. We may not get the answer for the long term just in in year one, but again, stabilizing optics, that's going to be massive for the ultimate question people have with how is he going to recruit in the SEC? How is he going to recruit in the SEC? Because you got to out-recruit Sark, got to out-recruit Kirby Smart, got to out-recruit Lane Kiffin, who knows what they're going to be. Like the SEC, Brian Kelly's recruiting like a madman. Like you got to be able to get the Jimmys and the Joes. And having success on the field to sell to recruits is going to be very, very impactful for the future. Tennessee quarterback Nico Iamaliava, another massive massively impactful name here in the SEC this upcoming year. Nico Iamaliava is the reason why the Tennessee offense makes you nervous again. And that's no shade at Joe Milton. I think Joe Milton did a good job last year. It wasn't the offense that we saw in 2022, and that's fine. They still had a decent season. But Nico Iamaliava was the number one player for us here at On3 in the 2023 cycle. 
if he is all that he's built up to be early on in his time in Knoxville, there's no telling what Tennessee's going to be in the SEC. Like SEC will be in the SEC, or Tennessee will be in the SEC title contention. They won't just be a nine-win team, eight-win team. Like they'll be in that, that conference title picture. And that's scary because think about what this offense was under Josh Heupel. Or I'll, I'll rephrase that. Think about what Josh Heupel's offense was with Hennon Hooker running the show. When you had a quarterback who had all the tools to be able to ad-lib a little bit athletically, make all the throws deep, be consistent as a passer in the intermediate game. Nico Iamaliava brings that to the table from a skill set perspective, we believe at least at this point. But if he's able to hit the ground running and be able to maximize what his redshirt year was, being able to learn from Joe Milton and be able to sit back and get comfortable, if he hits the ground running, there's no telling about Tennessee. Now, a factor to consider within this, if you want to get to those 2022 vibes as a Tennessee offense, it's important because this, uh, this offense, when it was really humming, yes, you had the quarterback in Hennon Hooker, but you also had a dude who could absolutely go in Jalen Hyatt. And so I think Squirrel White probably needs to take that next step. I think Brew McCoy obviously needs to get healthy. He'll be a big factor for them. You got to have some other, you got to have multiple receiving options is what I'm trying to say here when it comes to Nico Iamaliava and his success in 2024. But again, if he gets cooking, all bets are off on Tennessee. Probably the, the, the best what-if factor when it comes to the SEC is Nico Iamaliava and that Tennessee offense. Last one for you here. Ole Miss and their defensive lineman, Walter Nolan, transferring over there along with pretty much everyone and their mama by way of the transfer portal. He comes over from Texas A&M. He was the number two player in the transfer portal for us here at On3. Translation, dude's a freak show. Six foot four, 290 pounds. He's twitched up. He's got some production in the SEC to show with what he's going to be at Ole Miss. Walter Nolan is the five-star caliber player that Lane Kiffin has been telling you Ole Miss needs to acquire. Remember, remember Lane Kiffin saying that after the Georgia game, saying, listen, the difference between us and Georgia right now, they got like double-digit five-stars. I think we have one. Will Lane Kiffin do what Lane Kiffin does? He's not going to rest on his laurels going to go to work in the portal, and he did just that with this portal class they have right now, including, again, the number two player in the whole darn portal, which is Walter Nolan. If Ole Miss can now play ball in the line of scrimmage, especially the defensive line of scrimmage, with the Georgias, with the LSUs, with the Alabamas, if they can just hold serve there, that turns what was previously your equalizer, which was Jackson Dard and that offense, and Trey Harris, who's coming back, who is a phenomenal receiver for them, if they're able to play a ball and the offense can then shine, that goes from equalizer to edge. Meaning you're not having to get into a shootout and win 42 to 40. You're able to pull away from teams and have it be 42-28. You're able to, to hold teams to you know, a couple of stops a game and be able to give your offense a chance to really make some noise. That's massive because I don't have any questions about this offense under Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss. They're going to cook. Jackson Dart, expect him to do Jackson Dart things. You bring in Juice Wells from South Carolina who has shown what he is in the SEC. Walter Nolan signifies that changing of the guard, I believe, in what this Ole Miss defense can be. So I'm excited to see this, man. A lot of impactful names to recount it here for you. you got Carson Beck, obviously, the quarterback of the number one ranked team in the country going into the year. No surprise there for the Georgia Bulldogs. LSU's defensive coordinator, Blake Baker. If they can, they can get back to that LSU brand of defense we've come to know, look out. Texas wide receiver Isaiah Bonboy of Alabama make the, the Texas offense explosive like it was last year, kind of re-accounting uh, re for that production that Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell left. Good things are happening. Kalen DeBoer, no explanation needed there. Nico Iamaliava, it is what it is. 
Ole Miss's Walter Nolan is going to be a dude, man. I'm telling you, I can't wait to watch what Ole Miss is in 2024. Not done talking about Ole Miss just yet, but Walter Nolan, dude, he's, he's going to be. I have a feeling he's going to be must-see TV, much like the Missouri defense was a season ago. Hey, one of the best things about this show, in my humble opinion, is the way that we get to involve y'all into the show. We do the live chat at the end of the show, and that's an absolute blast. But what I like to do during the week is just kind of float out little prompts for y'all on my Twitter page. So follow me there at Jody Pakel. And one of the prompts that y'all have been doing numbers on is us asking what is going to be the most surprising headlines when it comes to the college football season. And so one of y'all answered, Trevor, he says, DJU is going to be in the Heisman conversation week eight. Now, for context, at week eight, they've played Clemson. Um, They've had a couple of games of note at that point. You're going into a game against Duke. You still haven't played at Miami, haven't played at Notre Dame, haven't played Florida. So the big games on the schedule are still yet to be accomplished or still yet to be played. But the obvious point in this, if, if DJU halfway through the year or over halfway through the year is in the Heisman conversation, that means Florida State is cooking. That means that that offense that lost almost half its production from a year ago with Keon Coleman, with Johnny Wilson, with Trey Benson, all going to the league. That means that DJU elevated his game and that the guys that got through the portal are all meshing. They're hitting the ground running. So Florida State, that would mean that once again, they went to the portal, evaluated as well, if not better than anybody else, recruited their tail off to get what they need to be successful in 2024. Another testament to Mike Norvell and his way of doing things. And I think even further, the point that I'd be impressed by is that this is Mike Norvell yet again being a quarterback elevator. I'm not talking about elevator with that contraption you walk into at hotels. I'm talking about elevator in terms of taking a quarterback's play from mid-level to high level. Okay, and we saw him do that with Jordan Travis. I keep saying that every single live show it feels like that he was asking to play receiver and Mike Norvell said, nah, just hang tight. And Jordan Travis did what Jordan Travis did this past year. Also, Brady White. That's a guy that doesn't get talked about a whole lot because he's not making noise right now in the NFL. But Brady White was a high-profile quarterback out of Southern California, committed to Arizona State. Okay, goes to Arizona State, doesn't end up getting on the field too much, kind of sees the writing on the wall, transfers to Memphis under Mike Norvell, and has multiple, multiple big stat seasons. Now, is that a situation thing, that he just wasn't at the right spot at Arizona State? Is it a level of play thing for Brady White to where he wasn't able to get on the field at a Pac-12 school? It is what it is, but like, there's, there's no way to overlook the fact that Mike Norvell changed Brady White's career. Mike Norvell changed Jordan Travis's career. If DJU is in the Heisman conversation at any point this season, much less going into Week 8, he has elevated DJ Uyunglele in his career. And just transparently, what that would do for you when it comes to recruiting, the way that Florida State's starting to pick up the pace a little bit too at the high school level, just landed a five-star quarterback in Luke Cromenhawk. All bets are off for Florida State going forward now. All bets are off. It also likely means that Florida State's winning a lot of ball games, means that uh, heading into this point of the year, they're in the ACC you know, conference race. We expect them to be there in the playoff race. Let's just say that DJU wins the Heisman. Let's take this a step further and say he flat out wins the trophy. It means that Florida State has probably won the conference, is more than likely in the college football playoff, and it means a lot of people owe DJU apologies. <laughs> it means a lot of people got to go and delete some tweets, hit the unretweet button on some posts, and just acknowledge like, all right, it was a situation thing. And unfortunately, it would be a 
negative look for Clemson. Hey, you had this guy on your roster for multiple years, and he just won the Heisman for another school in your conference after leaving. It is what it is. Again, if he's in the Heisman conversation, it probably means they won the DJU Bowl between Clemson and Florida State in Tallahassee, but neither here nor there. So that'd be, that would definitely be a surprising headline, but one that I have made no negotiations about. Like, hey, I'm here for it. I'm here for the DJU revenge tour. I'm all about it. So I think he's kind of got a, a, a raw deal over the course of his career. Michael Snowden, he hit us, he hit us up and said, uh, Ole Miss, his surprising headline, Ole Miss wins their first national title since 1962. Y'all, all this would mean is that Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley, I'll rephrase that, Lane Kiffin, other offensive guru that's a head coach right now in college football, it means that Lane Kiffin, if Ole Miss wins the national title, it means that he has broken the barrier. He's broken the barrier. Roger Bannister was the first man to run the four, or to run sub four-minute mile. There was this belief that if, if you ran under four minutes on the mile, your heart would explode and you would die. Okay, that was the belief. Then Roger Bannister did it, and people started running the four-minute mile like it was going out of style. No rhymes intended, but that's still bars. Uh, what I'm trying to say here is there's this belief now that you can't portal your way to a national championship. That's the belief. you got to recruit at the high school level. You can use the portal to help you. You can use the portal to overhaul your roster if you have to have a quick turnaround and get to the level of play you want to be at. But like, if you want to really win, you got to recruit at the high school level. you got to build the foundation and eventually you can compete for national championships. Well, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, they've consistently recruited right around the 20s, give or take, when it comes to their recruiting class rankings, and they double-digit transfer portal every single year. Every single year. That's what Lane Kiffin has proven he is going to do. And that's a testament to Lane Kiffin and his staff being aggressive. It's a testament to the powers that be giving Lane Kiffin what he needs from a resources perspective to be successful in that regard. That's massive. That's massive. I think it would totally reset the way that we look at Ole Miss. It would reset the way we look at the transfer portal. I think it would reset the way that we look at Lane Kiffin. That's not saying a whole lot, but like Lane Kiffin is consistently floated around for other jobs, like the Alabama job became open and he's a name on a hot board. The Auburn job last year, everyone's saying it's Lane Kiffin, it's Lane Kiffin, and then obviously it wasn't Lane Kiffin. If Lane Kiffin wins the national championship at Ole Miss, I think you can put all the hot board stuff to bed for a while. Because at that point, it drives home the thought that you have everything you need if you're Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And Ole Miss, you got your guy. You do whatever you can to make sure you double lock him down. And so if you win a national title, I think that's a very happy marriage to begin with. If this happens, probably means that once again, Lane Kiffin did what Lane Kiffin did and had a ton of success when it comes to the transfers they got through the portal. It means Walter Nolan, like we just said a second ago, has the impact we think he's going to have. It means that Juice Swells, being paired with Trey Harris. Juice Wells, obviously, the all-everything wide receiver at South Carolina a couple of years ago. Him and Trey Harris are just Batman and Robin. Good luck trying to cover both of them. And it means that Jackson Dart, this is important now, I think Jackson Dart, if they win the national championship, he's probably in that Heisman Trophy finalist conversation. Because the steps that he took from year one to year two in that offense, had never been an RPO guy before, never did it in high school, never did it at USC before transferring to Ole Miss, another transfer portal guy, surprise, surprise, it means that he took even another step from two to three and is probably doing crazy numbers in 2024 and the offense is probably putting up video game stats. So that would be something that, uh, again, I would be wildly, wildly interested just to see what the conversation shifts to. It's always impossible 
It's always impossible to transfer portal in a team, win a national championship. It's impossible to run a sub four minute mile until somebody does it. And then I wouldn't be surprised if this happens. We see a lot more teams kind of keep an eye on the high school recruiting side of things. You still want to do it really effectively. I don't think you see like just this reinvention of the wheel, but I do think teams that maybe refused the portal before or didn't think about the portal as heavily before start to allocate more resources to scouting and evaluating and recruiting the portal effectively. So we appreciate y'all for those surprising headlines, man. That's a lot of fun. One of my favorite segments that we get to do is talking through y'all's takes and, and y'all's predictions. And so we appreciate y'all contributing to that conversation. Again, at JD Pacal on Twitter. If you follow me there, I promise you I'm going to tweet more prompts. I'm going to have more questions for y'all that we want to include in the show. So we appreciate y'all in advance for being locked in. Hey, if y'all were keeping your head on a swivel yesterday, there was a clip that started making its way around the Twitter sphere, and there is a long, long conversation between Shannon Sharp and a one Johnny Manziel on the Club Shay Shay podcast. Shannon Sharp, I think, I mean, I think he's awesome. I think he's entertaining. I think he asks good questions. He's obviously got great guests. And in the Club Shay Shay podcast, Johnny Manziel talks about a deal that his dad, unbeknownst to Johnny Manziel, tried to broker with then Texas A&M head coach Kevin Sumlin to keep Johnny Manziel in College Station for two more years. And the way that Johnny Manziel tells it, he says he went to, he went to Kevin Sumlin and said, give us $3 million and we will come back to Texas A&M for two more seasons. Okay, so again, he said he never found out about this. But then Shannon Sharp was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is all before NIL, right? And Johnny Manziel's like, yeah. Yeah, it was. It's a back room kind of thing. He goes, but that's the way it's been going for 30 to 40 years. And he went on to say this. This is kind of where it got a little bit, uh, a little bit more spice to it. He says, everyone around the country, if you're competing for a national title, you have a bag man. He mentions there was a bag man at Alabama, mentions there's a bag man at LSU. And here's the thing, like, I don't think anybody was shocked hearing Johnny Menzel say something like that. That's kind of been the narrative, whether you believe it or not, that's been the narrative around college football for the course of the last several decades, is players were always somehow, some way getting paid. Players were always some way, somehow getting something for their commitment. What percentage of players? I don't know, but that was always a thought behind it, especially when a kid ended up flipping at the last minute or whenever a kid went somewhere we thought he wasn't going to go. Oh, he's getting paid. True or not, these things, according to Johnny Menzel, were happening. So first off, I want to say this. It was against the rules at that point in time. The rules are the rules. You have to play within the rules. If it's against the rules and it's wrong, we disagree with it. Okay, so that's kind of what college football was for a period of time. We didn't agree with the rule itself, but just because a rule is dumb doesn't mean that you can't not follow it. All right, so that's kind of where we stand on that. But with that being said, I was really surprised by the kickback that Kevin Sumlin caught from this whole thing. Because I think if I'm an A&M fan, my first thought would be, Okay, it's against the rules, but it's Johnny Manziel. He just won the Heisman Trophy. Coach, $3 million? And Shannon Sharp and Johnny Manziel kind of went, went back and forth on this, saying A&M, they would have been good for it. And Shannon Sharp, the way that he said it, he's like, A&M, they got the big dogs. <laughs> and like, it's true, man. If you see those Aggie rings that the good folks from College Station that graduate from there wear around, like, they would tell you the same thing. There's, there's big money in College Station, Texas. There's big, big name boosters, big, big dollar boosters that could have made this happen. And so I think it's kind of interesting to see the folks that are like coach come on we couldn't you couldn't have coughed up three million to keep my guy johnny manzel in college station and run it back for another year another two years according to what he said 
That was just hysterical to me. Again, it's wrong, but if I'm an A&M fan, I'd probably feel that exact same way. That's the exact same thought I probably would have around this whole thing. But going back to the NIL conversation, this to me just further illuminates the fact that NIL is a good thing. And this isn't me going to bat for NIL or collectives or anything like that, but like just from a moral standpoint, Johnny Manziel was getting $700 when it comes to what his stipend was at A&M, according to Johnny Manziel, 700 bucks. A&M was making $45 million in revenue just from selling his jersey. I'll say this, you don't buy a jersey because you like the way it looks. You buy the jersey because you like the player that it represents. So Johnny Manziel is making $45 million in revenue, seeing 0% of that, taking home 700 bucks. I'm just saying, man, I, th- I think if you have an issue with NIL, you look at this story and say, okay, there has to be some context provided here. There has to be a little bit of margin provided here when we evaluate if NIL is good or bad. NIL is a good thing based on this story. For Johnny Manziel to see $0 when he's making $45 million in revenue just from jersey sales, not to mention what the Heisman Trophy brought to A&M, not to mention the just exposure he brought to A&M and all the football games they won while he was there. If you have an issue with NIL after hearing this, I don't know what to tell you. The fact that we're able to regulate this a little bit more now, the fact that we have more of this happening above the board, I think that's a great thing. It's a great thing. And this Johnny Manziel situation, I think, speaks to that perfectly. Side note, it's not what this show is about, not what this segment is about, but we see something like this happen, and Reggie Bush doesn't have his Heisman. Let's use common sense here. I understand that's asking a lot of the powers that be at certain points to use common sense when it comes to, you know, giving someone back an award that they won, and now we're paying players. Let's use common sense. Let's get Reggie Bush's Heisman back. But I digress. If you got an issue with NIL after hearing that, I don't know what to tell you. Kevin Sumlin catching strays. Wild. Whole thing is wild. All right. A few more things to get to here. We got some news on the college football 25 video game. Again, a huge reason to be following the On3 Twitter account and be following Pete Nakos because both of those were on it. Make sure you're following there. They're going to keep you dialed into all things college football, all things college football 25 as well. I'll say this too. This show, we've, we follow the college football video game news as closely, I think, as anybody in this space. If there's news, we're talking about it. Two things to talk about. One, all 134 teams in FBS are going to be in the game per the EA Sports College Football or whatever it is, Twitter account. From EA Sports, all 134 teams, that's a good deal. Now, you can have 135 when you upload the Big Red, the Cornell Big Red, that is, and you go and wreak havoc on the rest of college football, neither here nor there, you'll have 134. This is massive because if you didn't have 134 teams in the FBS and you're sneaking in teams that are just like, you know, not real colleges and you just have them in there to have them in there, would feel very knockoffish. It would, it would feel very... Uh, very hollow. So to have all 134 teams, that's a great thing. Now, the real noise that was made this morning, though, is EA Sports is providing an opt-in program, not program, opt-in program uh, for the players that want to be in the game. Now, here's the deal. They're not, they're not just saying, hey, you want to be in the game? Great. We'll give you a free copy. You get a free copy of the game. You get to be in the game. You get 600 bucks. That's a great deal if you ask me. For a lot of these guys, that NIL and, and their value may not actually be 600 bucks. Like That's a great thing. That's not me throwing shade. But the way they have to do this or the way they can do this, download an app, fill out a form, and you get to you know, fill it out and you're in the game. Now, if you want to opt out, it's your call. I'll say this. If you want to opt out and you're a big-time player, we're just going to download another roster and put you in the game. So you're going to be in the game either way is what I'm trying to tell you. 
You can be in the game as you know your actual rating that someone else gives you. You can be in the game as EA Sports gives you. It's your choice, but I'm telling you, like you opting out of the game if you're a player doesn't mean we're not putting you in the game. You're still going to be in the game, just on different terms. Also worth saying, you know, and you'll have no free copy and you won't have 600 bucks. So opting in is I think just a good point. Also, I think all players here, the majority of players though that I've heard from personally are like, yeah, I'd, I'd be in the game if if they didn't pay me anything. I'd be in the game if, if they wouldn't give me a copy. Like, I, I love this game. This is cool to be in a video game. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I want to be in the college football video game. Sign me up. Whatever I got to do, let's do it. Heck, I'll, I'll pay you a little bit of money to be in the video game. Maybe we're pushing our luck, but you hear the sentiment I'm saying. I don't think there's a lot of players that are going to opt out here. However, if you are opting out, and you're opting out because of $600 and a free video game isn't enough, it might be time to reevaluate where you stand when it comes to the NIL side of things. Because that, I mean, if, if that's really the deal breaker for you, I don't know what to tell you. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I love that we're getting real players. That is, I think, probably one of the sweetest parts of this game coming back is you're going to get to play with your favorite players that are actually those players, not just wide receiver number one or quarterback 13 or whatever. That'll be awesome. I think this is a tremendous step forward for the college football video game. I think it's a tremendous step forward for all of us when it comes to what the NIL world has provided. Another, another drop in the bucket, another point on the board for the good folks in charge of NIL. All right. Let's keep it going here now. Going to get to your questions, thoughts, concerns in just a matter of moments. So get in there. Blow up the live chat. Give, give us your takes. Give us your questions. I want to hear from y'all. Before we get to that, though, happy to let y'all know that the hard count is brought to y'all today by one of our new friends, Factor Meals. Right? Factor delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And I know a lot of us here, we got New Year's resolutions. I want to eat healthier. I want to be healthier. I want to, be, want, want to put better things in my body. Factor Meals helping us get that done. And here's the good news with Factor. Your options got options. I know a lot of us were on the chicken and rice train, chicken and ground, or, or, or ground turkey and rice train. That's cool for one day a week, but every single day? Factor, they help take care of that issue for you. 35 different options a week. Whatever way you're eating, oh, I'm keto, they got you. I'm vegan, they got you. I'm vegetarian. Again, Factor, you guessed it, they got you. Availability is your best ability. And Factor checks that box. Also up there with your best ability, flexibility. Okay, so Factor, get as much or as little as you need 6 to 18 meals a week, anywhere in between there, and you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime. Anytime you want to. So no prep is required to is the biggest part of this for me. 100% ready to heat up. Not this thing where I got to get all the ingredients that I got to go buy from the grocery store to go along with this. 100%, you get it, ready to heat up, bada bing, bada boom, we're off to the races. So Important to note here. This is the most important part of this whole deal. Go to factormeals.com slash JD50 and use code JD50 to get 50% off. All right, that's code JD50 at factormeals.com slash JD50 to get 50% off. So shout out to Factor, shout out to y'all. Hey, we're getting healthy this year, baby. We're getting healthy this year. We're not, we're not stopping these New Year's resolutions in March like some chumps. Factor Meals helping us get it done. So we appreciate them and we appreciate y'all. Hey, you know who else we appreciate is that man, Nick Brake. Nick, what's up, baby? How we doing, brother? JD, I, uh, I'm doing good. I'm going to need your help with this uh, question. Talk to me. First and foremost, it's from Callup. Uh, two Super Chats, one uh, college football related, one not. Okay. Um, we'll start with the one that isn't. 
says BLT or Philly cheesesteak, JD. Ooh, I want to hear your take on this too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go BLT. Okay. I'm going to go BLT. No shade on the chili feast steak, on the, on the Philly cheesesteak. Love the chili, the Man, Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, I, I don't really like chili at all, actually, to I be do. honest with you. Oh, I'm okay with chili. Um, yeah. I'm going to go BLT, higher floor kind of menu item. Philly cheesesteak, you can't always feel good about it. I know you're a big Philly cheesesteak guy, though. I like, am. That's, that's one of yeah. your go-tos. I really like them. Yeah, I like, really, really like Philly cheesesteaks. Is that in the power rankings, like top five for you of food items? Close. I mean, hot wings and chorizo are like always going to be my favorite food, but okay. it's pretty close. So it's on the it's on the podium. It's on the bronze. It may bronze medal. It may. Okay. It's close. It's like in a pretty heated battle. I'll go BLT. Okay, sounds I'll go good. BLT. So personally. we'll split that one. Then. Yeah, it's good. Um, hey, anyone else in the chat? Which one do you prefer? That's a good question. Caleb says respect. Uh, we'll get to this one too. Talking about uh, college football twenty five. Said great news today, JD. I may have cried, uh, but wanted to ask: Is season twenty five? the start to true champions with the CFP 12. So I'm assuming that hmm. means, are we, is it going to be a 12-team playoff in the new game? The plot thickens. Uh, yes, it will absolutely be a 12-team playoff in the new game. I fully believe that. I also think with the way the online stuff works today, like if they go to 16 teams, they'll probably be able to change that. They'll probably be able to go into the game and go boom, bada, bing, boom, boom, mm-hmm. 16 teams. Also, we'll just get updated copies of the game. It sounds like from here on out yes. would be my assumption. So sounds I like think it. we'll have 12 teams. Uh, when they're, if they're asking about will we have the true champion now with 12 teams in the college football playoff, I see where you're coming from. My thought process is the rules are the rules. And just because the rules cater to a larger field now than they did previously, in some respects, by having a larger playoff field. I don't think that like cheapens in any way, shape, or form what the BCS was or what the AP poll was when we used to use that and now when we use this four-team playoff. I think those championships are absolutely true, absolutely pure, and I transparently have always been a fan of the smaller playoff field. So it is what it is, but yeah, I think those championships that were won in the other eras have just as much shine as these new ones will, Nick. Okay, absolutely. A lot of people are really excited about uh, the game today, by dude, the way, it's it's incredible. Um, it's a culture, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's, it's really funny. I mean, it's just like everybody played that game. I loved uh, NCAA fourteen. The best part of this, Nick, if I can cut in here, mm-hmm. one of the best parts of this, everybody for the last, I guess, what are we like ten or so years since NCAA fourteen came out? Yes, they're all saying how good they are. <laughs> hey, dude, I was yeah. so nice at this game. Uh-huh. I was nice on the sticks, bro. Y'all don't want to see me, and now it's like. Okay. We're remembering now. Okay. You can't, you can't talk about how good you were anymore. You know, like you actually, hey, get on the sticks and let's make it happen here. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you go three randoms? How do, how do you play? Would you go three randoms and you pick one of those three? Uh, so I know people did that. I always play as Louisville. Um, oh, okay. Teddy Bridgewater was their quarterback uh, when that, that, the last game they came out. They were nice. They were so nice. I played, yeah, I really enjoyed that team. They might have had Devontae um, Parker in there too. They did. He, they were um, sick, dude. Well, yeah. Actually, yeah, I think he probably did. Um, I was trying to remember. I'm trying to remember, too. Uh-huh. I think he was in the game, but if not, yeah. Teddy Tulev was lethal. Yeah, lethal. absolutely. Yeah. I was not good at the game, though. I'm not going to even pretend I was. Uh, it's fair. a new era, then. It's a new... We'll, we'll get in the office. It is. We'll get yeah, game, it could be, but I'll have to, I don't have the console. <laughs> we'll um, get one here. We'll get one yeah, here. Yeah, perhaps. How about this? Ferris Khan uh, said, Can seventh-year former four-star Jack Tuttle win the starting job at Michigan at quarterback? And then start to collecting social security checks the next year. <laughs> One good for Jack Tuttle. Yeah, absolutely. Ja- I mean, shout out Jack Tuttle. And this is probably something we're in the minority on here, Nick, when it comes to guys playing past four years. 
And I understand the thought process of like, hey, if you're playing your seventh year of college football, are you taking a scholarship from a high school kid? Here's my you know, stance on that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care because if, if I'm a college coach, my money, me feeding my family is predicated on us winning football games. So if the high school kid was a better option for us long term than the seventh year kid, we'll take the high school kid. So I understand the thought like, oh, you're taking scholarships. I don't care. Doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me. I don't think it should matter to you. When it comes to playing college football too, I've said this too, Nick, like as long as humanly possible, play college sports. Like I don't have any issue with guys coming back for seventh year. I know there's, I think a dude at Miami coming back or no, maybe it's Oregon. He was, he was at Miami at one point. He's going to uh, play his ninth year. He's currently at Oregon. He's a tight end, I believe. Play as long as you can. Because the minute that they take those pads off you, brother, the minute that that key card access to get into the facility stops working and they put you in a button-up and they put you in a cubicle, it's all over, all right? It's, it's, you got the rest of your life to work and to, to do the nine-to-five thing. Like, play college football as long as they allow you to go out there and play ball with your best friends. Now they're paying you too. So, yeah, play ball as long as you can. And if you're hating on a dude playing college football as long as they can, like, find something else to do. Find something else to do, Nick. How about that? I think that's a good answer. Hey, isn't, didn't J.R. Smith play, like, a college sport? He played golf at North Carolina A&T. Yeah, that's right. I think he walked on, too. That's so awesome. What yeah. a king. Uh, Jared Sidham says, J.D., uh, NCAA 25 better have the mascot game mode. Yeah, man. Uh, we got Cam McCormick getting after us here. Appreciate it, big Cam. I think he says other way around. So maybe he was Oregon, then Miami. Maybe is that what it was? I need to double check on that. But we appreciate the the correction there, Cam McCormick. Oh, Cam yes. McCormick. First yeah. Oregon, then Miami. Okay. Wow. Encyclopedia. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I knew it was yeah. one of those. I knew it was some order there. Yeah, yeah. mascot game mode will be sick, dude. Mm-hmm. You mascot game mode? Like, I love the jukes where you could flip to the side instead of just like a juke. Yeah. Where you would like laterally make an aerial somersault. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you've. I had a pretty elite mascot at my alma mater, so of course I did. Like yeah, the, the Big Red. I played with Big Red. But at, in the end of the day, that's one of those games you play with for fun. I'm not going to be alone playing, you know. Yeah. Mascot. That's, that's one you play with your friends. That's one where it's like, hey, we can't figure out who's better because of <laughs> yeah. these teams. Mascot yeah. mode. Let's just do it mascot like that. Mascot mode. Yeah, yeah exactly. That. That's good stuff. OG Gary says, it's time to fast forward to the end of November. If you had to guess a headline, what headline would be most disappointing to you? So maybe one that Ooh, most disappointing that we think might happen. I don't know how to interpret that, JD, but as you will. Yeah. Okay. So he's right. Oregon to Miami. I just want to double check here. Mm-hmm. Most disappointing, man. I don't know that I would have a most disappointing headline, Nick. I don't think I don't think I would feel disappointed by anything. I think my thought process would be: Did we? What was the What was the twelve team playoff like? Did mm-hmm. a team that was deserving based on their regular season play sustain that into the college football playoff and I mean I really even if that doesn't happen I don't think I'm disappointed I think it just kind of is what it is at this point I don't think I would have a disappointing headline maybe if they expanded the playoff to like 24 I'd be like what are we doing here any well, more expansion headlines would just bum me out we'll talk about them but mm-hmm. like yeah it would bum me out I mean I was taking even a coaching level like what if Michigan beats Ohio State and they fire Ryan Day I would be disappointed yeah. like that wouldn't you yeah. That's a good one, Nick. That's mm-hmm. a very good one. Yeah, I think that or if we have like college coaches leaving for the NFL. Like one of those yeah, big that's, one of those big names one. leave for the NFL, I'd be like, dang, man. Mm-hmm. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. Another one bites the dust. Absolutely. Hey, Brexton All says using South Carolina hiring Sean Elliott puts pressure on Coach Beamer to do or in the coming season to have an immediate replacement on their staff already. Mm. 
I understand the thought there. I understand where you're coming from. I just think Shane Beamer and what he's done the last two years should give him some goodwill. Like last year didn't go how it was supposed to go. If you're a South Carolina fan, the SEC is brutal. You went five and seven and missed a bowl game. You were up 10 on Florida and let them back in the game and they beat y'all. But like, it is what it is. You know, I think it's one of those things where you still have a coach that you should be excited about. I don't know who would be a better hire right now than Shane Beamer for South Carolina. Let him, let him build a little bit. Let's give it some time. Let's see what this 12-team era looks like. I don't know that you really want to be trying to rebuild and get a new head coach when you have Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference and it's only getting more difficult in that whole situation. So I like, I like Shane Beamer, man. I mean, I'm obviously biased because I think he's just phenomenal as a head coach and I think he's phenomenal as a human being. Mm-hmm. We had him on the show last year. Hopefully we'll get him on again this year. But yeah, I think, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world to keep him. Yeah, sounds good. A couple more questions. Let's Tappen says, uh, what program will benefit or lose the most from a 12-team playoff format? Great question. Will benefit or lose the most from a 12-team format? You know, I think the first thought is it'll be probably the Big 12 in the ACC because if you're an at-large bid, it's probably going to be an SEC or a Big 10 school getting it. Now, I don't know that would be for certain. It's obviously all contextual, but, like, if you're finishing second in the Big 12, like last year, Oklahoma State – they played for the Big 12 title. They're not getting in. They're not getting in at the end of the year. That's no shade on Oklahoma State. We got Oklahoma State love in the chat right now, and I love it. But, like, mm-hmm. they're probably on the outside looking in. Whereas if you're second place in the SEC, Georgia, they're absolutely in a 12-team playoff. Iowa, I don't know if they're in the 12-team playoff. But, again, next year it'll be divisionless. So you probably just see Michigan-Ohio State run it back against each other. Ohio State's in the playoff, you know. So it's, it's very curious how it's all going to impact the rest of college football. But – Mm-hmm. We're seeing that with this 14 team being suggested. Like, it's not going to be a thing where it opens the door more for other conferences. It's like, okay, we're expanding the playoff. That means we're getting more Big Ten SEC schools in, yep. which it is what it is. It is yeah, what it is. Absolutely. Hey, another super chat. Dylan, thank you very much, Dylan. Um, says, everyone has built a small team like Old Dominion on NCAA and turned them into a dynasty. Who's the first team you will rebuild and why? I like this question a lot. Yep. I like this question a lot. We actually answered the same question on Crane & Co. I did a spot with them yesterday. They were talking about the same thing. Old Dominion, because I think Old Dominion was the lowest-rated team on the game in 2014 or whenever. Because I know it was NCAA 14. I'm trying to think if it was actually the year 2014 when it came out. I would go Eastern Michigan. A couple of reasons. One of my best friends in the whole world worked at Eastern Michigan for a while. Second part of that, Epic Field. Gray Field, we're going to run the Maction. Yeah. We're going to make Wednesdays primetime college football for everyone watching. you got to see the number one ranked Eastern Michigan Eagles. Go get after it. Chris Creighton and the boys putting up numbers. Also sweet uniforms like the Adidas. That's what matters. Right? Like, I, I'm all about Eastern Michigan, man. Ypsilanti, blue collar. Mm-hmm. Hard hat, lunch pail operation out there, man. Like, I'm, I'm all about the Eags in uh, Ips Vegas. Yeah. Ypsilanti, it, Michigan. I honestly, I could care less about how bad the team is. If they've got multiple helmet options that are cool, and they've got cool uniforms and a nice field. Like, that's all I'm going to pick about. It's got to be WKU, though, for you, right? It's got to be the Big Red. Potentially. Um, Ferris Khan also said EMU earlier on oh, in the chat as well. So shout, shout out, out Ferris. Yeah, I'd consider Western Kentucky. Um, we'll see. I love that. Hopefully I get a chance to do that. That'd be really fun. That's my um, time. What do you say, one more question? You read my mind. Let's do this it. This is a good way to end. Dezu says, three or five college football rivalries I have to see in person during my lifetime. During this lifetime. Have options later on, you know. If we're suggesting, mm-hmm. 
Ohio State, Michigan, Army, Navy. I've been to both of those. Those were both absolutely incredible, like second to none. World's largest outdoor cocktail party, 100% has to be on there. Red River Rivalry, 100% has to be on there. I've seen USC UCLA in person. That one hasn't been up for a minute. That's a great one when it's when it's you know really humming. Nick, I'd love to see Nebraska Iowa. I'd love to see Nebraska Iowa go Heck at yeah. each other. I think that would be a lot of fun. Like two passionate fan bases, kind of a change up from the the other games we mentioned. I guess you still got the Big Ten in there with Ohio State Michigan. I'll throw another one in there. Florida State Florida in the swamp. Or in Tallahassee, it doesn't matter. I think that would be a game to watch, too. Just yeah. how intense it is in, in the state of Florida, how much football means there, how good the high school talent is, how much that means for the high school recruiting for those teams in the future. Count me in. That'd Count me cool. in on that kind of game. It'd be kind of cool um, if you had the resources to do this, like every year on Thanksgiving Saturday during Rivalry Week, to go to a different one every oh, year. Incredible. Wouldn't that be cool? It'd be incredible. Yeah. You know what? We've, I mean, we've been fortunate, Nick, to kind of be – in that in that ballpark in that conversation we were, mm-hmm. we were looking at going to a game this past year but yeah ended up not doing that just by mm-hmm. nature of what the the schedule yeah. permitted but still yeah oh oh i missed i missed the iron bowl oh Auburn, see the iron Alabama, bowl, yeah. dude yeah i'm there there's so many rivalry games that i would love to get to yeah absolutely that's for sure and texas texas a and m yeah golly that's dude. another big one golly well, it's, Absolutely electric. It's a, hopefully a long lifetime. So there will be times when these other certain games like UCLA and USC in 25 years may be the biggest game one. It'll be a Big Ten game. You know, who knows? Yeah, it will be a Big Ten game. You don't know. So, yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Just go to the love ones that, that are so up. Much. Yeah, uh, really quick one before we head out. Jared Stidham says, how many uniform combos does Oregon have in the new game? Probably, what, what like Ooh. 20? I think you go Mean Girls there. Limit does not exist. You know? <laughs> nice. It's a very good reference. It's a quick bar for you there yep. before we before we finish up this Thursday. Hey, any any last break takes for us here? Uh, no. The shot looks great, by the way. Yeah, you look, you look phenomenal. We <laughs> they were preying on your downfall. I was so angry yesterday at my shot. Uh, it was zoomed in, changed lenses, different outlook. I feel great now. I've got the same look. It's like the same size as you. My shot is so. Like you always back. say, bad day to be a hater. It is. We bad are, day to be a hater. We are so back. Also, OG Gary says the Apple Cup. Apple Cup. Yeah, like we could like there's not a college football rivalry I would say no to. Uh-huh. As much as I hate Harvard and hate Yale, Harvard Yale would be awesome to go to. I would love to see that in person before I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is what it is. Yeah. I digress. Nick, you're the man. I appreciate you. Let's run it back on Tuesday. Yeah. And we'll have hopefully uh some coaches interviews on yeah, Tuesday. We got them lined up, baby. Yep. Getting getting them lined up. Again, we'll we'll announce those as soon as it is relative but we will uh yeah once we're locked and loaded we'll let y'all know appreciate big nick break making it happen today punching everything live answering the questions making everything that you see here come to a fruition come to reality i think it's fruition glad to have y'all a part of this man very very grateful to have this college football community a part of this show this is a place where again want it to be as much as possible an escape for y'all. You got a lot of things going on. I want y'all to get a mental vacation whenever you come and tune in to this show, The Hard Cat, whether it's live on YouTube, which we appreciate y'all doing, whether it's on the podcast, whether you're at the gym working out, whether you're driving the kids to school, whatever whatever you're doing and whenever you are listening or watching this show, we do not take that for granted. We are enormously grateful for y'all consuming this show. There's a lot of content out there for y'all to digest and you choose this show. So for that, we are extremely, extremely thankful. Hey, we're back on the airwaves live on Tuesday. 
Coaches interviews coming at you hot. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.